Hello, everyone. Welcome back. And welcome back to the Plexus Podcast. I'm Mike Becker here with Stotts Battle, our producer. Hope everyone out there is safe and well. I know that I'm fatigued a little bit on COVID, but I think we're starting to see the light. So excited to be back on the Plexus Podcast, and we come with you with that excitement, but also have heavy hearts with the passing of one of our partners, Kel Landis. Kel is a great leader, mentor, gave me a kick in the butt when I needed it while allowing me to be me. I owe him great gratitude for my success. Also, what a great North Carolina citizen. The man literally did everything, both public and private accomplishments is a very long list. I won't go through the entire list, but let's just say I read it and I realized I needed to get off my butt and do more. Do being the key word here, because as this first episode back in the 2021 season for the Plexus podcast, we're going to redistribute my conversation with Kel about his book, The Little Book of Do. But first, I wanted to, to grab Michael Painter, my partner here at Plexus Capital, for some thoughts about Kel. Thank you, Mike. Um, so I think it's appropriate as we replay this podcast about The Little Book of Do to bring up a book that we put together for Kel at Plexus when he first got sick and we called it The Little Book of Being Kel Landis and we'll have a link to it uh, with his podcast when we post it but let me just read the first uh, the introduction uh, that I wrote to Kel because I think it says so much about what made Kel special. I wrote to him that, uh, that I've smiled and I've cried while working on this book. These reflections by your family and friends paint a beautiful image of you embracing unique gifts from God while making a lasting impact on a lot of people, including me. Your courage to be uniquely you inspires me to, be more, to more fully embrace my own unique gifts from God. The power of your true north is everything you do is grounded in love with unmatched authenticity. And I really, I think that's the big takeaway for me uh, from Kel's life and his impact on me is that, I think sometimes it's easy to get distracted by everything he did accomplish, but I really think what allowed him to accomplish so much was that he just had the courage to accept who he was, who God made him to be, quirks and all. Yep. I mean, just like you and me, we got our quirks. Kel had his quirks, and he owned them. He was just himself, and he made a big impact by being who he was. So wherever you are, raise a glass, take a moment of silence. Here's to my man and Michael's man, Kel Landis. Hope you enjoy the redistribution of his podcast on A Little Book of Do. Also, you can pick it up at Amazon. We hope to be bringing you some great content this year. Expect about once a month around the lower middle market. Stay safe. Stay well. Talk soon. Thank you. The simple two-letter verb do, D-O, can be the most powerful word in your life if you will live what it means, which means wake up every day determined that you're going to do what matters in all your roles in life. Welcome to Plexus Podcast. I'm Mike Becker, and with the help of Stotts Battle, we are navigating the lower middle market. How do smaller companies get financing, sell their business, 
take money out of their business, or just get capital to grow? These are the questions we will ask and try to answer through our series of podcasts. Feel free at any time to reach out to us at www.plexuscap.com. And thanks for listening. Now to the show. Hello out there. It's Mike Becker. Today's guest is a friend, a mentor, a partner, and just a hell of a guy. Kel Landis is an accomplished business and community leader, a native of North Carolina, holds two degrees from UNC with an undergrad and an MBA in business. And on today's podcast, we're going to discuss his book, The Little Book of Do. It's a simple guide that is an impactful way to live your life, to be more purposeful about doing things that are important to you. So the title page says, Act on Your Passions and Goals for a Life of Success and Purpose. Hope you enjoy the podcast. And as always, thanks for listening. Let's do it. Welcome to the Plexus Podcast. We're excited to have everybody here today with our special guest. As you heard in the intro, we're joined by Kel Landis sitting right across from me. And in my hand is the Little Book of Do. We're going to talk a lot about the Little Book of Do and just Kel Landis and his career and some advice on a long-term career in the finance world, starting with commercial banking and moving into private equity and lending with Plexus Capital. But really excited to have that today. But first, let me hit my sponsorships. As you know, we're starting to get sponsored here on the Plexus Podcast. So first, at Blitzbeads, Instagram, really homemade jewelry, really nice stuff, daughters, wives, even some guys. So hit at Blitzbeads. Uh, on Instagram, and we got a new sponsor this week, Rice's Honey, the best organic honey you could ever buy. You can find it in Costco, Kroger, Harris Teeter, but local organic honey, Rice's Honey out of Greeley, Colorado, but we have a Southeast, California, Texas, all over the nation. All right, let's jump in. So, Kel, how you doing, man? Doing well. Glad to be here and share a little bit about my book. You know, one thing that I want to make sure the audience understands is the little book of do is D-O, the verb do, just because it's hard to pick that up just by audio. So we're going to be doing some stuff in here today, but we always start off the Plexus podcast and, and like to get a little bit of background. I gave a little bit in the intro, but love to hear it from you, just a little bit about your career, the highlights, maybe some of the, the non-highlights, and, uh, and then we'll jump into how the little book of do can really help people out there achieve their goals, and enjoy the doing process. Yeah, great. Well, I grew up um, in eastern North Carolina, went to public schools, and went off to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, where a lot of, of our Plexus team members went. 2017 national champions. Yeah. And uh, I, was, I was, went there and was an undergraduate business major and ended up going to work for the old Wachovia Bank, which some of you, hopefully some of you have heard of. And um, but then went back to business school at the at UNC Chapel Hill. Back then, um, most people just called it an MBA, and I got my MBA at UNC Chapel Hill. And then I went back into the banking business again with First Union Bank, which later on, ironically, Wachovia and First Union Bank did a merger of equals to become the new Wachovia. But had a long career there, and then joined Centura Bank which was a bank headquartered in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 
and we grew that bank from a $2 billion bank to a $12 billion bank. And that was really where the genesis of Plexus really came from. We formed an SBIC at the old Centura Bank in 1995, for which you, Mike Becker, worked for a period of time. And all of our founding partners had some, some role in that um, Centura Capital business. And then we sold the bank to the Royal Bank of Canada in 2001, and I became the first CEO of the U.S. Bank, which became RBC Centura. RBC asked us to harvest the fund. It really didn't fit with their strategy in the U.S. And when we did, we had had really good numbers on, on, our, on our bank fund. We'd done like a 14.5% compounded return on the bank's money. And so um, after we harvested the fund, I guess the rest is history. The, the team that was at Old Centura Capital, including you, Mike Becker, and me and Bob Anders and Michael Painter, now our managing partner, um, we got together and put the team back together and formed a new privately held SBIC called Plexus Capital. So it's been a fun ride now since I can't believe it's been 13, 14 years since we set out to do that now. And so if you weren't going to listen before, obviously Kel's got great experience uh, and a great track record of being successful and doing things. So to move it away from Plexus, because I really want the audience today to learn a lot more about the Little Book of Do and its impact on Plexus, on Mike Becker, on anybody who really reads it, let's kind of jump in to the book. I'm holding it here, and it's got, you know, you can find this at your local bookstores. You know, Kel published it himself, and one of the cool things is, is all the proceeds really go into a trust that's more focused around philanthropy and, and certain issues around doing. So, um I want to jump into it, but just give a quick brief overview. I know it's hard to give a brief overview of the book, but it's, it's a really easy read for the audience um, around the book of do. Yeah, well, I wish I could say that I was in your local bookstore. I'm, I made it <laughs> to, to get distribution in the, in the bank, in the book business is quite, it was quite an endeavor. And I can, that's, that could well, be a whole local bookstore is now Amazon. Yeah, so that could, Amazon. yeah, I'm in that one. I'm in your local bookstore called Amazon. That's so right. I've got a print on demand. I've got it on Kindle and I've got it in a um, hardcover as well. But um, anyway, it, it, it's done well. And we've, we've reached a lot of people with this book since I first um, wrote it. So I wrote it probably four or five years ago, and I, and I always had in my mind that I wanted to share all of the things I had been fortunate to learn from other people, great leaders, also learn from mistakes that I had made or that I had seen others make. Um, also had been a big reader over the years of a, most every business book one could read, and there, were always, there was always a little nugget out of each one of those books that I really remembered and I used in my own life. So this book is really just a kind of an amalgamation of everything that I learned along the way and, and all about the subject in this, this powerful two-letter verb do, that the, the, the simple two-letter verb do, D-O, can be the most powerful word in your life if you will live what it means, which means wake up every day determine that you're going to do what matters in all your roles in life, whether it's your personal life, the life of your family, the life of your, your company, or your life in your community. A prime example is he wrote a book, and he did it um, and, and continues to do. But some of the nuggets that I pulled out, and then I want to get into your nuggets, you know, one of the most impactful things to me is, is 
this is a heck of an anagram here, but we'll, we'll get we'll get to it. But it's D W Y S Y W D. And so, Kel, why don't you tell them? And let me just say that again, and I'll say it slower because I tend to get going fast when I get excited. But D W Y S Y W D. Give them that one, Kel. Tell them what that is. It's funny. Sometimes I've given many, many talks to just about every kind of group you can think of, to whether it's high school students, college graduates, MBA classes, banker CEO conferences. And I'll all, and sometimes I'll say, does, there, does anybody know what DWYSYWD means? And I say it real fast like that. And then I'll say it slow, DWYSYWD. And believe it or not, a lot of people raise their hands. And it is really probably one of the most powerful pieces of advice that I would just give anyone in business or in life. And it is do what you say you will do. And we know that there are just so many people in life that that say, I got that, I'll do that. And then later on, if you ask if they did it, they really didn't. And my advice and my experience has taught me that if you are a DWYSYWD person, you will get to do anything, you have the opportunity to do anything. Sometimes you're gonna have more opportunity than you want because if people know that you are a person that will do what you say you will do, not sometimes, but every time, then they'll ask you always to do things. But the good news is then you get to say no or you get to give a qualified no. And I could go on and on about qualified no's and qualified yeses and, and all of that. the prioritization of do. Yeah, the right. prioritization. So using your skills, and let me tell you what, uh, Kel is one of the greatest examples of DWYSYWD, got it out, uh, I've ever seen. And it's challenging to us here, the team, and challenging to those who read the book because – I found myself when I read the book, and I find myself every day, oh my gosh, I forgot that. Or oh, somebody asked me to do that, why didn't I, why didn't I do that? And then I'll, I'll, you know, gives me anxiety and I'll try to do it the next day. Or just do what you're gonna say you're gonna do, and then tell somebody no if you're not gonna do it. I mean, that's a real simple lesson and nugget from the book that I, I just cherished and, and took to heart, and I still mess up. Right, and sometimes I don't do my D W Y S Y W D, um, and so it's it's a good check for me uh, when I'm doing things. But why don't you jump in and and you know we kind of got hey this is why you wrote the book, you did it, and then pull out some of Kel Landis's favorite nuggets from the book. Yeah, well I think one of the first ones would just be the first the notion that do is a choice that. You know, we wake up every day with a choice to either do or not do what matters in all of our roles in life. So the, you got to start with that, and you can't excuse away why you didn't get things done because it's a personal responsibility to make that choice to do or not do. Um, the other one probably is is the notion of do it now. You know, um, and the, the I, I cite I cite some statistics in the book that are not meant to depress people, but it is meant to show the that, that time, you know, may delay, or you may delay, but time will not. I mean, if you delay something, time's still ticking and the days are moving along. Time and, is undefeated. And that the, uh, the average 30-year-old has about 19,000 days to make something of his or her life. And the average 45-year-old has roughly 14,000 days to make something of his or her life. And obviously, as you get older, like me, those numbers go down even more. And then all kinds of other things can happen around health that can make that even you know even shorter but not to be depressing the point is if you want to live a life 
of fulfillment where you've really acted upon your passions and your goals, the best thing to do is do it now. And so I make that point a lot and I talk about what some of the things are that might get in the way of you doing that. And that we can talk about that. Yeah, I think it's a great segue because it goes into do's biggest foes. And I, and I like that yeah. terminology, like do's biggest foes. So why am I not doing something? And look, everybody out there listening, which I hope is a ton of people, because this is a really cool, cool uh, subject we're talking about here today. But do's biggest foes. Why don't I do this? So let's talk about the four yeah. big foes of not doing. Why don't Why don't I do that? Well, I did one of the one of the chapters. The title of it is the do's biggest fears. And so I use do as a noun a lot of times too. I use it as a verb, as a noun, as an adjective in the book. You'll see that when you read it. But do's biggest foes. Well, the first is clearly fear, and maybe that drives all the rest of them. Um, Tough phone call. But, I yeah, make. Just, Tough conversation I got to have. Those types of things. That or, a fear, or a fear of failure, that taking, of failure. On the, ta- yeah. taking on the task at hand and knowing that you might fail. So you have to – I read a lot about fear and what holds people back around fear. And the biggest, the biggest piece of nugget I got when I did research on this is that face the fear, write down what you're, what you're afraid of, and then begin the task. And that's the, big, that's the biggest way to overcome fear is to get in the game. Like Stott's um, battle on our team who played basketball, you know, once you get in the game, you just got to get out there and mix it up and do the best you can. And, and most of the time you're going to do just fine. Well, they always talk about how uh, the parents are more fearful than the actual kids playing yeah. sports, right? Because when you're in the game, it's kind of – it's active, it's instinctive. When you're out of the game, it's fearful. So just first step of fear is – Put yourself in the game. Do it. Do it. Get out there. And then the, the second is procrastination. And procrastination may just be fear operationalized or fear extended. And, and that's just where we find some excuse in our heads to put something off until a later date. And sometimes really deliberate procrastination is the right thing. I mean, to write, if something ha- doesn't have to be done today, it's important but not urgent. You can, you can do it next week, but just make sure you do it. Don't procrastinate beyond the time you know that it needs to be done. The third fear that I, I mean, the third foe that I talk about is analysis paralysis. And, and that's not a new term, but it just means we'll never have enough information to make a perfect decision. And many times we can be paralyzed by thinking there's one more piece of information we can get to start this or to do this action. And once we have the information, we have a gut feel, then let's just move on from the analysis and also again, begin the task. And the last one I talk about is time. And many people might think time is a legitimate excuse, and sometimes I guess it can be. But I argue that if something is really important and really matters in in some role in your life, that you will make the time to do it. So I I no longer say to people, I didn't have time. I say I didn't make the time to do it, but I am by X date, and you can count on me to have it done by next Wednesday. And, and it goes back to a little bit of our earlier conversation, which was around prioritization of your dues, understanding your time and how much time you have, and then prioritizing what you can do and what not doesn't mean when you tell somebody no, you're still doing something, but you're allowing yourself to have more time to do other things that are more priority for you. Well, and I developed in the book too, a, 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 what I call the do wedge. Perfect 
which is, you know, it maybe makes it a little more complicated than it ought to be. But if you, I'm thinking it, of like a, a big head of lettuce with blue cheese and tomatoes on it. Like yeah, the, the do wedge. Yeah, yeah, well, this, this is the do wedge meant to be a three dimensional graph. But if, if you read the seven habits of, of highly effective people, Stephen Covey talked about the, the two dimensional one around importance and urgency. That, that there are many things in life that are very, very important, but not urgent. And in today's world, many times we we, send, we seem to think everything's urgent, so we got to go do it right now. But really, we need to really quadrant things and think about them in terms of if something's really important and it's really urgent, then we need to do it today. If something is is real, you know, urgent and and maybe isn't all that important, we still might have to do it today. Like get out of the if there's a fire alarm, we might have to get out of the out of the building. But the one thing that I thought that it was missing was the, the, the role of passion in one's life and, and how, you know, the emotion that you might attach to something about things that really move your do meter, as I call it, where you really are excited to go do something. And an example I use in the book was when, I, when my kids were in high school and my son might have a cross-country meet. I might have had a, you know, really important business meeting and it might have been important, and it might have been, the, the meeting might have been important, and it might have been urgent. But my son's track meet was, you know, three miles down the road, and that moved my passion meter. For me to be able to go see him run his track meet was more important than the urgency or the importance of the other. So I, I created this three-dimensional wedge where you just take into account three dimensions in making your decisions about what to do or not do. Importance, urgency, and passion. And I think everybody buys into the importance piece. Let's dive a little deeper on the passion because that's kind of the Kel Landis signature on the do wedge and the do book. And you're such a good example of passion and putting passion behind things. And the book as an example, Centura as an example, RBC as an example, Plexus as an example. But I, dive a little bit more into the passion and why it matters so much because it ends up opening up the more urgency and importance things because you feel more freed up I feel like is that where you're headed yeah and also you just anything you're really passionate about just think about how much of yourself you pour into it and therefore how much more effective you are and how much more just how much of a better job you do with it and more excited about doing it. Yeah, and and then the the antithesis of that is when you have something. There are things that are important and urgent that do not move your passion meter, but you like on April the fourteenth. If you hadn't done your taxes, you you better find the passion to go finish <laughs> your taxes. You know, yeah. but but I think the the real point there that I was really trying to bring out is the positive point about passion, which is just how much it moves you and how much more fun life is to live in an own mode, an O-N mode, where you're just doing things out of joy and creativity and because you really want to. That's what I mean by passion. Awesome. All right, so a couple specific questions into the book maybe, and we can take this wherever you want to go, um, but we're going to do this. Uh, we're going to What's the favorite chapter in the book for you, if you have one, or a favorite piece of the book, or an interesting, this came up uh, when I was writing the book, and I really like this, this part of the book. Um, if you were to say, hey, this is, 
this is my most impactful piece of the book, I think. Yeah, well, I think it might be a couple of chapters that one is the is do for others and the golden rule, and you know just do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's a pretty simple one, and it uses the verb do twice, and so I have that in there. But I also have one in there about do for your community, which is really what the golden rule is about. And I've just found, I mean, I, I certainly get a lot of, you know gratitude and a lot of self-fulfillment from all the great things we do here at Plexus. But I also would say that some of my greatest satisfactions and greatest accomplishments have been the things that I've done in my community or where I felt like I've reached out and I've made some difference in the lives of other people. And, and, and after all, that's why we're here, is to leave the world a better place than, than it was when we, when we came here. And understanding our power to, to do that and to affect change and to help people. So I guess, you know, if you, when you read the book, you'll leave it with a sense of community and the power that people have had over the years. And I use many examples of people who use their own, their own do and their own courage that really change things a lot. One of the examples I use is Coach Dean Smith. Um, when he was 29 years old, an assistant basketball coach at the University of North Carolina with hair slicked back and nobody knew who he was. At the time, Chapel Hill was segregated for um, African Americans to have lunch on you know, downtown Chapel Hill. And he had the courage to do something about that. He knew it was wrong. And he and his preacher took this African American church member to to uh, lunch and sure enough five years later I mean certainly everything opened up after that day and there was a lot of talk and fanfare about that and and five years later Chapel Hill actually elected his first African-American mayor so it just takes a lot of courage sometimes to do the things that can really that can change the world and, and that's really the neat thing about the book it's not about just doing in your job but it's it's doing in your life in your community in your family and, and really using this verb, noun, now that we can call it a noun too, Kel, using this verb to really change your MO on all aspects of your life. It's a holistic viewpoint of I'm going to do passionately, I'm going to do urgently, I'm going to do importantly um, throughout, throughout my life and, and generate better outcomes for me and for others at the end of the day. Yeah, and I try to write in the, I have a couple of chapters in the book about tools that one can use to make sure you do a better job at doing. And so, and I separate those into physical tools and mental tools. And the physical tools are what we all use, like computers or or our smartphones or whatever. I happen to be a guy, I talk about the Jetstones and the Flintstones. I mean, the Jetsons and the Flintstones, I, I happen to think that a Flintstones written to-do list every day where I write down all the things that I really want to get done is the most effective thing for me. I know some of the younger generation can certainly put it in a smartphone or whatever, and, and, and that will help them. But And then another physical tool that I often use is my computer. And I use the calendar feature on my computer to make an appointment with myself to do the things that matter. Like if exercise is important, for 20 years I have had on my calendar almost every day some hour block of time where I call it DTS, which means down the street. This is when I was a big runner, run, run down the street. But, but where I would just block off that time for myself or I would make an appointment with myself 
to do some very, if I knew it was a very important thing I need to follow up on next Wednesday, I would put it on there Wednesday. Get back with Mike Becker on X issue. The, the, the mental tools that I talk about are your PAD, P-A-D, your persistence, your attitude, and your determination. And, and those may be more important than the physical tools because you can have it all written down, but you got to, when you wake up every day and you look at that to-do list, you got to then say, okay, I've tried that one before. It didn't work last time. I got to do it again. So you got to pull on your persistence and you got to have the attitude to get through it and burst through it and start the task. And then you got to have the determination to stick with it till it's done. So those are the things that I talk about as physical and mental tools to help you get things done. So if you hadn't already bought the book uh, on Amazon while you're listening, um, you can go ahead and do that. But uh, we wanted to jump a little bit into uh, not too much. Go get the book. Do that. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about your foundation and what the book the proceeds from the book go into and what you're what you're doing with that because I think that's a really cool component of this whole story around Kel Landis and the little book of do so give us a little bit about the foundation and, and what it's doing and its yeah. causes well I you know I didn't write the book for profit I wrote it for impact and I, my hope was that it was going to sell so many millions of copies that I would have a foundation that would be <laughs> as big as anyone that anyone could have anywhere and might even make Bill Gates' list of the, of the giving pledge. But it hadn't worked out that way so far. But, but we're still doing it. But I'm still doing it. But um, So it, the point is every, every dollar of proceeds that I get from the book, I put into something I call the Foundation for Do. And what I look for is every month I look for a person or an entity that has lived by the themes of the book, that has – through their own personal power, their own personal action, has gone out and done something to make the world better for somebody else. And so we make grants. We were making them once a month, and I've had some illness lately, but going to get back on track with that. But for three years plus, every month made a grant to, um, to some person or entity that has lived by the themes of the book, and we call it the Foundation for Do. And if you go to my website, you'll see some of the causes that we have supported, which are literally everywhere and the website is www.littlebookofdo.com and you can see the foundation is listed there as well so when when you buy the book just know that the proceeds are not going to me they're going to the foundation for do and then some paying it forward on on doing yeah once inspiring more people giving them opportunities to continue to do what's made them great and 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 yeah and their actions that an interest from you and from the foundation to continue to do um so this is a this is a loaded question i didn't prep you for this one um but what's the best advice you think you've ever received and then let me parlay that into a double question for you and let you go so one is best advice you ever received and that's probably in the book and then two book was published in i think 14 so is there anything since 14 to 19 now that you'd say, ooh, I wish I'd have put that in the book just for a nugget of information for the, for the crowd? It may be fully 100% what you want it to be, but is there anything else you'd want to put in the book? So answering your first question, um, I think the first best advice I got was when somebody told me to, to understand my personal power, and power can have a connotation of a bad connotation. This is the good kind of power, the power of influence, the power of getting other people to follow, the power of 
as long as it's a, a, about a good, you know, outcome, then power is a good thing. And I, and I think when I was little, I used to think about, well, they will do this. They, they will, somebody else will take care of our world and our people and our community. And then I grew up to understand that the they is really us, is really our power to change our communities and our families and our businesses and all of that. So just that notion of the good kind of power, the, the power of it um, is probably the best advice I ever got. Relating to the book, I think the only thing I might have, that I, if I wrote it again or if I put another chapter in there, I did write in the book about mindfulness and, and meditation and slowing down. Um, and I think I would write a little more about that now, which is in order to be effective as a doer, you also have to have some downtime. You got to have some time where you're just being, where you're thinking and you're not always DTS. doing it. So yeah, some downtime. And, yeah. Um, down the street. Yeah, down the street. But So I, I probably would just write more about pace and understanding that you, you just can't do it all. I did write in the book about diminishing returns, that if you have too many items on your to-do list, you're not going, you're going to have diminishing returns on those ones that are just way too many. So I, I would just write a little more about pace and, and slowing down and being with yourself a little more in a quiet space. Wonderful. Well, I want to just conclude with the simpleness of this and the impactfulness of this, right? So some simple things to take away today. One, you're going to take away the book. So go grab it, www.thelittlebookadoo, and it's on Amazon. And the, the slogan here is awesome. Act on your passions and goals for a life of success and purpose. What a, what a great slogan. But take away these things. D-W-Y-S-Y-W-D. Right? Anagram we talked about earlier and pad. Those are the two anagrams I think you really want to take away from here. Do what you say you're going to do and then pad. Persistence, attitude, and determination. Those are really great nuggets here from, our, from, uh, from Kel. I can't thank you enough, man, for joining us today here on the Plexus Podcast. As always, you can reach us at www.plexuscap.com. Hit us up on Twitter, at Plexus Capital. And we have an Instagram account now, Stotts. We're still not on Instagram, even though we're advertising for Instagram. But can't thank Kel enough for spending his afternoon with us and talking about what has really been a great book uh, for me and for my family. And so go pick it up, Amazon.com, and you too can be a doer. Thanks so much. Everybody have a great evening. been listening to the plexus capital podcast look for a monthly release on all topics finance and maybe a little bit of humor if you need more information about plexus capital please visit us at our website www.plexuscap.com